0: Hi, this is Locally Entertaining, and I'm Joanne Bailey-Borsma, and I'm very excited because I have a good friend here with me today, uh, Daniel Joel Deal, along with sculptor Brett Grill, Um, and we're going to be talking a little bit about a very special project that took place in Grand Rapids, the Roger B. Chaffee statue, and then now the documentary that's Mm -hmm. coming out. So so tell me a little bit about how this project all came about.
1: Well, I think we probably have both have different stories about that from uh, our own perspective. Um, Mm. But uh, the film came from a previous film that I know was played on on WKTV, A Salute to Honor, Mm -hmm. played a few times. And so that film was recognized by the people who financed the sculpture and the film. And so they brought me on as the filmmaker for this project about Roger's life. Mm. So, but your story on that side is different, right?
2: Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. So, I, I was brought in by a group of veterans, the MMPS, the Michigan uh, Military Preservation Society. Yep. <laughs> um, who uh, had, it was a bunch of basically um, uh, Korean War veterans, mostly some World War II veterans. Um, and the group had been sort of getting smaller and smaller. was, you know, left less and less of them are around. Um, and they had a surplus of, of money that they wanted to figure out what to do with. And they had thought for a while about uh, creating a feature at the Grand Rapids Public Museum. Um, and that, that sort of fell apart for one reason or another. So they thought, oh, you know, it might be a good idea to try to, to make a statue of another fellow veteran. And that ended up being Roger Chaffee. Um, so they reached out, tried to find uh, sculptors in the area. And it just so happened that I was, I was moving back to Grand Rapids from Missouri at at the time when when they wanted to commission the sculpture mm-hmm. the rest is history
0: so well let's and you know I guess for our, our listeners you should probably explain who Chaffee is because a lot of people don't even know who he is um he was an astronaut
1: <coughs> right um, yeah I just knew that there was a planetarium Mm-hmm. and a street in Wyoming, a boulevard. Which, which
0: actually was the, where that street is actually the, where the original Kent County Airport I found that to, out, too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I happen to yeah, know that yeah. one. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> so uh,
1: so uh, other than that, I mean, we both started doing research, you know, uh, independent for our projects. And he was an Apollo 1 astronaut that uh, was very well respected. And um, I kind of think of him as the hero that no one knows about because mm-hmm. he was definitely on his way. Uh, Gus Grissom and Ed White and Roger died on the same day in a in a testing fire of the Apollo 1 capsule. You know, Gus, Mercury 7 astronaut, Ed White, he was the first American to walk in space, you know, so they were known names notable, but Roger was also notable within the astronaut corps and uh, some of the Astronauts in the film speak to that, you know, just how brilliant that uh, he was. So Mm -hmm. that's who Roger is.
0: Yeah. And it's uh, what I thought was very great about the documentary, and we're just starting a little bit with that, is that there were parts of the story that I didn't even know, like that he he was flying and taking pictures of the rockets as they were going up. I Mm -hmm. mean, all of the stuff that I was totally unaware of that was really I mean, how did you find all of this? I mean, it's just incredible.
1: Just uh, research and talking to people. I traveled around, you know, the eastern half of the U.S. uh, with people that knew him and served with him. And uh, so there were some things in the film that not even uh, the family knew. Mm -hmm. Some things that they heard. uh, An interview, for example, from the National Archives that I got out. Uh, and paid to have them make a copy for me, so Roger narrates his own film essentially, starting at Purdue and going through VAP VAP 62 and so on. So it was really pretty uh, pretty incredible. So um, yeah, there's a number of things that I didn't know a whole lot about him. You know, like you just knew that there was you know Planetarium in a street, and um, so yeah, that was that was pretty incredible to to get that info and. And just learn, you know, just read and learn and talk to people. You know, that's how I got my info anyway. So.
0: And how long? I mean, how long did this project take? Because some people, sometimes I think they think, oh, a film and you get it and it's produced in a month. It takes a lot longer (laughs) than that. It was 18 months. 18 months. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: From starting with Brett, I mean, we, I don't think you'd ever had anyone filmed the entire process before with you like no not like and that. I'd never I didn't know anything about how to make a statue you know and what went into it and the parts that uh you'd fit together so yeah we kind of formed this collaboration just because of the MMPS like he was saying the group that financed this uh, one of them was a high school classmate at Central High with Roger and he was kind of the main point man for the the statue the sculpture and for me too with the documentary so Mm -hmm. his name is david thompson senior
0: yeah and he was nice enough to contribute actually an article to wktv journal about the actual dedication and project and Mm -hmm. history behind why they had decided to do this yeah so that was really cool cool um, to have him do that so so tell me uh, i mean how did you get they kind of approached you did did you have to yeah, so they Audition were, for this? Or uh, a- <laughs> it, it was actually one of those,
2: those projects that I did not have to compete for, which is <laughs> always yeah, much more fun and less stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, they had been looking for sculptors, and they had contacted a couple of different places. They reached out to the garden um, and talked to the director, Joe Becker, there. Um, and also Aquinas, they had uh, uh, spent a little time trying to talk to different Yay, uh, artists and-, and <laughs> I got sculptors. a kid there. Yeah, yeah. I got a kid there,
3: so yes.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, these, these are the resources that are, are in town. So mm-hmm. they reached out to professors there and wanted to know you know, who was qualified to make such something like that. Um, and my, my name came up uh, in, on both of those fronts. Mm-hmm. And at the time I had been working in Missouri, at the University of Missouri. Uh, making sculptures, but um, you know, this is my hometown, mm-hmm. um, and I was just in the process of, of moving back at, at the same time, so it, it seemed like a, a good fit. So, uh, right from the initial meetings, it, it seemed like a project that I would absolutely be interested in. I'm always drawn to projects that are um, sort of unearthed stories mm-hmm. that are in danger of disappearing. And this seemed like, like one of them, De- definitely. It was sort of a name that was still in the ether, but it, it, it was not, the, the story's not well known, mm-hmm. um, just, just with as time has passed. So mm-hmm. that, that was fun for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Now tell me, because you really, this, the goal of the documentary was to make the sculpture the center of it, because it really is. When you when you watch that, I mean, that's what it starts off with, and you're kind of focusing in on this. It's, it love the way you do it, because you kind of really don't know what's going on until kind of see the end. It's kind of great. <laughs> I hope I didn't give anything away. but
1: Yeah. Um. I, that wasn't the goal mm-hmm. at the beginning. Mm-hmm. The The initial was to uh, tell the Rogers story, you know, and... So as we began to explore, and we kind of talked about this a little bit as we were first getting started, it's, you know, he's taking 2D photos and making them three-dimensional. I'm taking 3D objects and making them two-dimensional in a film. Mm -hmm. And so we just kind of, you know, talked about how there's this correlation and relationship as Roger's image is kind of recast, and I'm telling the story of him from birth, so... It just, the idea to put those two parallel stories together really didn't happen until after we kind of started working together more. Because I would show up at his shop and I, yeah, what are we going to film today? And I set up GoPros to capture time lapses of things going on, which I had no idea, you know, how the you weld the steel together. And and then, you, was it uh, like a pink fiberglass, the rigid board that you put on there?
2: Is uh, It's just styrofoam, ho- styrofoam. material okay. that's
1: in the core of the sculpture. Yeah, yeah. who knew? You know that that stuff is
0: foam is in it. the core of the sculpture. When I'm making
1: it out yeah. of clay,
2: not actually. now. It no, in the no, middle, yeah. So I don't have to, you know, use a thousand yeah. pounds of clay. It's it's much lighter, easier to move around, and not in danger of falling on top of me and killing me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> his his little dog Ivan. What is his, he's a terrier box, Boston Boston, Boston terrier. terrier. He's not big enough to pull the statue off and rescue the master. <laughs> 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 he's in the video. He's yeah. in the film too. Okay. Ivan is, yeah, and some of the time-lapses. I, I can did check. Ivan, in the did credits,
0: I, too? Yeah, I was to say, uh, Ivan in the I credits? I don't remember. Because <laughs> I don't remember seeing the credits for that.
1: <laughs> I don't remember. I don't think he signed a release. Yeah. So Because he's under you 18. Could be, you could be under and, trouble. Uh, yeah, well, he's uh, he, he would have to sign it, not think he did. So, <laughs> no, I'm going to say no, he's not in the credits. But he's in the film. So. Mm-hmm.
2: It's, it's interesting, too. I mean, Dan's uh, sort of organic process that he's talking about, where he sort of has an idea of making a documentary and through the – process of going different places and interacting with me and seeing seeing what what i'm doing and also unearthing all this video the project becomes something else and i think it's true of almost every creative process it's certainly mm-hmm. true of, of mine as well as i started the project i had one idea of it and the more i learn about roger's life and the more i get into the nuts and bolts of actually making the thing it sort of shifts into into something else so i, I think that's just true of Creative mm-hmm. processes in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Now the statue that you created. I mean, this is this is the medium in, that you pretty much work in, as I understand. Right. This is your style.
2: Yeah. I, I make um, you know bronze statues and, and tributes almost exclusively now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this this is different because it's an, an astronaut. Um, it's it's a young person. You know, a lot of the per- people that that I've depicted in the past. Uh, you know. You, you should, in the prime of their of their careers ends up being sort of later in life um roger's a young man you know when he becomes an astronaut uh he's not wearing a business suit like a lot of the people that i've sculpted in the past um that was fun getting into all the intricacies of of the space suit which is um even within the nasa program sort of strange in that it only had one iteration. And, you know, after the accident, the program shuts down for a while and they redesign the suit. They take the time to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything about it was was a little bit different and, and fun in that way.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, now this is really interesting because I know you talk about this in the, in the documentary a little bit, but they gave you access in NASA to see the suit and to take pictures of the suit. I mean, is that was that kind of unprecedented or is it something that they try to do to work with people? Um,
1: yeah, I was just kind of on the periphery of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't even started really filming anything yet, I don't think at that point, because um, you were just kind of researching, you know, I think. I, I don't yeah. know. And that's that's uh, part
2: of the research process. So yeah. I looked at a lot of grainy photos, and, and you see a spacesuit suit and grainy photos. It doesn't really give you m- much info at all. So I thought, hey, you know, if we can get our hands on one of these things, it's going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that ends up being pretty difficult. You know, there are air and space museums around the country, and we sort of had to reach out to a variety of places and see who had one of these things in, in the archive. They end up being, you know, a suit that was used in the... Um, in the training phases Uh of of one project or another. Um, And so we we ended up going to um, Hunt... uh, I think it's Huntsville. Huntsville, Alabama, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, To the Air and Space Museum down there. um, And they had these amazingly preserved... Suits and you know they they treat them like it's a baby bird or something like that. They take it out for you and you put on gloves and. Um, but it was crucial mm-hmm. for me just being able to to take photos of it and measurements of the suit. There's so many um, unfamiliar aspects of it, so um, all the details are are there and and correct, which is you know an important mm-hmm. part of the telling of the story. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. well, and it's not only just that, but I mean, you then you take the pictures of the suit, and then you've got to. Take that suit and put it on a body. I mean, you've got to get the folds of when he bends his leg or he's moving his arm. I mean, you've got to capture all of that. That is pretty intense. I don't think people realize how much goes into a sculpture like the one you did for Roger, which I should mention is in front of the uh, Grand Rapids Children's Museum if people are looking for it on, off of Sheldon so mm-hmm. that people know where it is. But um, I, I don't think people realize all of that goes. I mean, can you talk a little bit about how you kind of visual and do that and get all of sure. that in? Sure.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's it's something that I I think um, if if I do one thing well mm-hmm. as, as a sculptor, it's it's that, you know, trying to inject a living, breathing body underneath the, the folds of the clothing. Um so you know, actually seeing the suit, um, the specific you know, fabric that it's made out of is not like you know, a, a sweater or anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, it holds a fold differently, so all those details become important. Um, and, and in concert, the folds you know, tell a story about the movement that's going on in the sculpture. Um, and, you know, to me, as I started to make it, it started to be about, you know, all this sort of conflict of forces that are happening within the folds of the sculpture. And then his perfectly calm and uh, confident uh, head sort of, you know, emerges from, from the suit, um, because that was the person that he was. You know, he's, he's sort of dropped in the middle of all of these uh, really important uh, historical and cultural moments. And he's just this perfect picture of uh, confidence and integrity, um, and and that's just the way that that he lived his life. So hopefully, you know that part of the story is told implicitly through the way that he wears his suit, um, and and the expression that he has in his face.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, how did you decide on that expression, and was it just one that you saw common for him?
2: Um, not necessarily something that I drew from one picture or, or another. Um, these these are things that are sort of um, in aggregate. They they kind of make sense in the process of making the sculpture. Like I'm talking about, you know, before you know, you you, you might not have a perfect picture of it in the beginning, um, but through looking, you know, through a lot of videos and a lot of photographic evidence, it sort of um, at some point just just makes sense, and that's kind of how how you know when you're you're, you're done.
0: Let mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. ask you: Did the family have a chance to see it at all before it was unveiled, or did they see it at the unveiling?
2: I don't think anything was shared with them in the process. I I think Martha the first time that she saw the sculpture was when it was unveiled, and Daniel might have a uh, the the right story about that. I, I think you were next to her when it was unveiled. And it seemed like that was the first time she had seen it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I was walking around filming during that time, but um, I interviewed her for the documentary the next day. Mm. And that was the first time that she had seen it mm. uh, okay. in that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, she hadn't seen any photos of it. I think Jack Lausma saw a photo of it. He makes mention of that in his little mm. the parts of the speech that we included in the documentary. Um, but that was the first time that she and her daughter were there as well, and um, nephew Dave Paquette. Um, he's you know close too, and and loves this whole this whole process of NASA. He was in the Navy like Roger wanted to be like Roger. So those guys didn't see it at mm-hmm. all till till that day. Mm-hmm. So
0: was it, was it a little nerve wracking? I mean that they're sitting out there and you're doing this statue of you know their father and their dad and their uncle and it's going to be unveiled i mean i know sometimes when i write a story and it's for somebody i know i get really nervous <laughs> some days <laughs> you know i mean t- yeah t- there's,
2: there's some of that i'm i'm typically pretty confident in um my ability to capture a, a likeness um but the stakes are Much higher, they certainly have gotten much higher in the world that I live in as a a sculptor and Mm -hmm. you know, person that makes statues. Um, if you get something wrong, it's publicly wrong, Mm -hmm. wrong in social media and things (laughs) like that. For a long time, Uh, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, I think there's you know, always flutters and stuff like that. You want to know how people are going to respond, especially if they're people that are interacted directly with the person that you're depicting. Um, But uh, yeah, everybody seemed to be very positive about it, so I I feel good.
0: That was my next going to be my next question. I mean, what would then? What did Martha say to you about when she when she saw it? I mean, how did she, she say anything about how she felt? Or
1: yeah, that we went. Uh, like I said, the next day uh, we went back to the statue, and she kind of interacts with it um, by herself um, with a her close friend that was there from Purdue. So that really gave us uh, Mm -hmm. kind of insight, you know. She would just look up at him, you know, and just touch it, you know. And um, didn't realize it. I don't think Brett planned for this. I, you know, wasn't thinking about it either. There was some healing, Mm -hmm. some closure for her, Mm -hmm. you know, that happened with that unveiling and seeing him like that, you know. So, but, you know, I... David Thompson, he he saw the the maquette, the little you know mm-hmm. proof, if you will, and then the big one when it was done, the full size. So he saw that well before, you know, the family did. For me, I'm in the exact opposite. I sent the family members the rough cut of the film before he saw it. Because they get pretty vulnerable mm-hmm. in the in the film. They do. They get and, extremely uh, vulnerable. Wanted yes. them to be comfortable with that because it will live on, you know, just like in digitally it's gonna be out there for a long, long time, you know, on websites and stuff. So uh it was the exact opposite for me. I wanted their blessing, I wanted them to see it and be comfortable with what I was portraying, you know. Especially the part where he dies, you know and just kind of using the pouring of the bronze as symbolism, you know.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: was that too much, you know, mm-hmm. for, uh, or, or was it good? And I got, you know, thumbs up all the way around from everybody, so mm-hmm. that was good.
0: Well, the one thing I did like, I mean, we it seems like everything that whenever we talk about Roger, it's always focused on his death, mm-hmm. and you kind of, you didn't make that so much, I mean, the focus, it was kind of like, okay, he died. Mm-hmm. And you had that pouring of the bronze, which I thought was amazingly beautiful, that whole scene and, and that the way you worked there with that, and then going into what happened afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that really, I think, probably moved me more than anything else, and I think we talk about it a lot now in society, about how death impacts um, family members and children. I mean, you have this little girl who... Mm-hmm doesn't understand and she's just supposed to pick up her life and and the openness and the willingness of them to talk about what was going on and and that what they were feeling that was amazing that was just simply amazing it was it was
1: that's just it's not something you script for it's just you know, you're asking questions, you're, you know, researching, if you will, and stuff comes out that changes the direction of the film or the sculpture or whatever it is you're working on creatively. Um, it, you know, now it's set. Although I could go back and change mine and you couldn't. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can do
1: a re-edit if I wanted to. Uh-huh. Um, but, it, yeah, it's, it, was, it was pretty incredible that's why I let them see it first before anyone else just to be certain that they were okay. Cause it was, it was touching actually, I felt like, and, you know, just to stop at his death is like a disservice. You know, I felt like you can Google what, how he died, you know, and I have got some newspaper headlines and kind of, you know, do just a quick brush of what it, what mm-hmm. happened. Um, I also wanted the, I wanted at the beginning especially, when his voice is there and his, his likeness when he's doing the interviews, to, to make it feel like he's still alive to a mm. certain degree. To not let the cat out of the bag, if you will, you know, right at the beginning anyway, um, like he was still around. Because so many people don't know who he was. Because, I mean, as I'm doing the film, pumping gas, I'll talk to somebody, and hey, do you know who Roger Chaffee is? Yeah, I have no idea who that is, you know, mm. and so I just got the sense that not many people, unless they were, you know, 70, 80 years old, or really into NASA and space stuff, knew who he was, so I kind of wanted to make it feel like he was still with us, especially at the beginning, to like, what, what happened to him exactly, you know, so I don't know if that was achieved or not, but one of those things you try for, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit too, Daniel. I mean, this is always something that fascinates me as well, is with um, filmmakers, especially with documentaries, you, you like you said, you interview and you interview and you interview, but then you have to make a decision on what you can include. You've got to have footage that you didn't do anything with. I yeah. Mean, what are you going to do with all of that?
1: Uh, I mean, the first cut, I think, was uh, close to two hours long.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so i I had to really weed out a lot of that's the hard thing about editing is really cutting away the stuff that is good, mm-hmm. but it's not great, mm-hmm. you know so it I have it, it's preserved um I, you know, at this point, I'm doing nothing with it, you mm-hmm. know, uh, so I'm already you know we've already moved on to other projects and mm-hmm. you know it's now, so
2: then it was exhaustive. You know, mm-hmm. going to crummy business meetings with the city, and <laughs> you know, <laughs> going to Hansville. Like he, he was, he was there um, constantly, making sure that he didn't miss anything. And I think that you know, in, and also you know, the gathering of archival footage, you know, from NASA and the you know, uh, uh, mm-hmm. nations' archives. Um, uh, that sort of exhaustiveness that he used, I think, is evident in the final product. I mean, it's 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 all there.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah,
0: it's incredible. I did want to ask you a little bit quickly, Daniel, on this one, and not to belabor it, but I noticed you had a lot about Boy Scouts at the very end. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell a little bit about how that was significant to to Roger?
1: I just wanted to uh, kind of go back to the beginning a little bit, and also show that. Uh, there are Boy Scouts today that are living Roger's legacy. Mm-hmm. You know, they w- that one is an Eagle Scout. Uh, I think his name was Nathan, and he wants to go into aerospace. You know, mm-hmm. so it was um, kind of bookending, I guess. The Boy Scouts were kind of bookends. That's how we, you know, excelled at so many things at Boy Scout camp, and um, and then. At the end, ha- show the Boy Scouts today the same troops still exist in the same place. Mm-hmm. And so just kind of use that as a, a way to show that his life is continuing to live through these youngsters of, of this century. Mm-hmm. So that's so. kind of the... Main point. Why? What did you get out of it? <laughs> I just, I, well, I out of it. well, you know, I, was, I, I, I knew he
0: had a, a Boy Scout connection. I was just kind of like, at the very end there, when you just did all that with the Boy Scouts, it just kind of, I had to think about it for a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. I knew the troop was still around. I also know that there's a a, a, a Veterans Post in Wyoming that's named after him because mm-hmm. his parents actually moved to Wyoming at mm-hmm. one point and yeah. lived here um, for a little while. Um so I knew about that. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, like a lot of those, you know, some of those posts, um, it's aging out. So I don't know yeah. how much longer it's going to be around. Um, yeah, well, that's mm-hmm. actually
1: just my documentary I'm editing now is about the American Legion. It's 100 years old. And so the, mm-hmm. the Legion Act that was signed by President Trump maybe in July mm-hmm. opens it up mm-hmm. for everyone from 1941 on who had one day of honorable service mm-hmm. can join a veterans organization now or just the American Legion, I guess it is. Mm -hmm. So that's huge to help the numbers keep growing. But uh, also, you know, it's within the credits that the Boy Scout stuff is and some of the other things. I try to keep the credits interesting instead of this, you know, kind of boring list upon list of thank yous and special thanks Mm -hmm. and also special thanks uh, to have something that's, you know, more informative, uh, keep the documentary kind of feel going, even within the credits. So Mm -hmm. that was kind of the decision to have them... And with the Boy Scout oath, you know, on my honor I will do my best. You know, that was Roger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It seems like yeah, uh, the values of the yeah. organization really kinda of defined him. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that was kind of the reason, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. So um and I should point out, I mean, you're an independent filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, so you and you used a lot of the, the the equipment here from WKTV. I mean, mm-hmm. how important is it to have something like this here for you to be able to utilize?
1: Oh, extremely. Because I am just a single, you know, producer, director, cinematographer, and editor, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to have lights or cameras or even some of the post-production stuff we did here in the editing suite, you know, for mixing sound effects and stuff like that. In, I mean, all the rocket sounds—it's silent, you know. There's no, so we added all of that stuff with Devin Deal, my nephew, that was also the composer, original score for the film too. So we mixed that all here, and I think it, we shook the building, and someone came and told us that that rocket's too loud. <laughs> Wasn't like, was when I was. Oh there? man, that was so cool. <laughs> you should have been where we were sitting. It was. Like, awesome. So, um, yeah, that's, Mm -hmm. that was, it's vital for, uh, people like me who are just kind of a, a one person do all of the steps kind of thing. So,
0: Mm -hmm. so so you both mentioned you guys have, are now working on other projects, but Mm -hmm. before I get to that, uh, Brett, what are you working at a university here in Grand Rapids? I'm not
2: teaching anymore. I'm I'm just making sculptures here.
0: Oh, so independent contractor then kind of? Yeah. Yeah. Stuff. So, but you sound like you're fairly busy.
2: Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been really fortunate that a lot of work is coming my way, and I'm, uh, yeah, able to c- com- compete for commissions and, and continue to get them. So,
0: uh-huh. anything that you can talk about right now at all? Or? Um,
2: I, I just put in a sculpture at the University of Iowa at Kinnick Stadium, um, that that uh, memorializes one of their um, star players from their national championship team in the twenties. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a big relief sculpture, uh, about 14 feet by by 7 feet. I just went in in August. Um, And I'll be working on a project uh, here in town at the airport. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to say too much about it, but it'll happen next year. So oh, excited well, about that
0: too. <laughs> I'm friends with Tara. <laughs> so I'll talk to Tara. <laughs> so, but that's cool. So, yeah, so keeping pretty busy. And why did you move back to Grand Rapids? Because you said you were in.
2: Just to be closer to family. You know, I, I had been away for a long time, um, taught, taught for about 10 years. Um, and it, it got to a point where it became increasingly difficult to, you know, fulfill all my responsibilities at the university and have a sculpture practice at, at the same time. Um, so, I would, you know, that had been gaining momentum and uh, the stars sort of aligned in a way that it, it made sense to come back and, and do this exclusively.
0: Well, that's amazing that you're, I think that gives a lot to, especially because we have so many young artists here in the community, to hear somebody who is, is making a living doing what they love to do. Um, that's just an incredible gift alone. So
2: Yeah, there isn't a day that passes that I don't sort of... <laughs> That <laughs> I'm not thankful that I'm allowed allowed to do this. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. So
0: cool. And Daniel, what are you up to?
1: Well, I kind of alluded to the American Legion mm-hmm. uh,
2: project that um,
1: I was hired on to do. The Grand Haven Post mm-hmm. is 100 years old as well. It's the largest American Legion post in Michigan,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and so they've hired me to do a 100th birthday special for them, a documentary about. Their namesake, Charles Conklin. So I've done a lot of research about Charles and who he was and how he died and try to dramatize that just a bit and um, just tell the story of what the Legion does. I mean, the American Legion Post in Grand Haven started the hospital there, you know, Mm -hmm. because they were so concerned about veterans. You know, the American Legion started the VA, and the GI Bill of Rights came from the American Legion. And so the National Heart Association, American Legion, Mm -hmm. you know, so... They've had a big impact in our country, and I don't think too many people know about it. They just think it's a bunch of old guys sitting around a bar. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And most people think that's what the American Legion is, and it's it's vital. And they do a lot of things today that are at the uh, at the ground level, local, you know. Grand Haven, the Tri-Cities, Ottawa County really benefits from from the Grand Haven post, so. Editing that now, and that will be done on November 1st is when we're going to show that in Grand Haven at the theater.
0: That's amazing. And what is it that you like so much about doing documentaries?
1: I've always loved story, Mm. you know, just that the rise and fall, uh, you know, the story arc. And so creating uh, an arc out of real life um, is, you know, to me is very rewarding and satisfactory. It's, you know, having the um, ability to to capture that and talk to people and hear hear what they say is just, I don't know, it's very, very rewarding. I'm like Brad, I'm blessed and thank thankful that I have this opportunity to tell stories like that, you know, so that's the biggest thing for me is mm-hmm. the story part, you know. My film company is called Authentic Film Elements. And for me, that's the story, you Mm -hmm. know, the authentic uh, pieces that make up a story. So that's pretty cool.
0: That's amazing. And again, you're able to do this as your own living and be able to do what you love to do. Yeah. And stuff. Now, you have a background in film, too, as well. You.
1: Yeah. I mean, as far as my education or. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had the degree from a local college here, Compass College of Cinematic Arts and then I taught film at the high school level for two years at a charter academy, which is uh, no longer mm-hmm. around. Um, and that was great to bring students in here. Mm-hmm. You know, they got the training here at WKTV and we did projects together using the equipment here and introducing, you know, these young creative minds to this place. Uh, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, So that's how we really found out about WKTV and the cinema part that they had with the cameras and everything. And uh, so, yeah, we shot a lot of that early stuff. With the Black Magic uh, cinema cameras, and now you've got a Red Raven, and it's it's awesome. (laughs) awesome. Sorry, Sorry, I just geeked out for a second. Sorry, (laughs) went camera nerd on you. Forgive me. I'm sorry. All right, Uh, back to you now. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: you know, I forgot to ask one question of Brett, and I was just curious. I mean, when they told you they wanted to come in and film, and you said you had never experienced anything, I mean, initial reaction, you know. Um, I was I was intrigued
2: by it. I mean, there's a lot of the process that is pretty banal.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so I would agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the pouring of the bronze molten metal is fantastic. Mm. There's a lot of nuts and bolts stuff, little you know bits of surgery in the clay um, that, that are nothing to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I, they, uh, I I think Daniel inspired. Confidence from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we had sort of had a, a natural rapport with one another, so I, I felt confident that, that the picture of, of it that he he would show the world is is not the banal one, but the, mm-hmm. <laughs> the. And the
0: process really is you start you do a clay sculpture first. That's right. Yeah. Right, and then you make the mold.
2: Yes, I make a mold, which is just a negative impression of the sculpture, and then I uh, I use a, a bronze casting foundry in Lawrence, Kansas, that I've have kind of a long-term relationship with. Um, And they do most of the metal casting and fabrication work for me. Um, And I kind of check in uh, on that process periodically and um, Mm -hmm. make sure that the final product is a uh, perfect representation of the clay.
0: Mm -hmm. And is there any particular reason you got into metal versus another medium?
2: for this kind of work, it makes sense. It makes sense historically. Um, bronze is, is doesn't corrode. Um, it's you know it's it's lasting. It is a historical marker of things that we want to last. Mm-hmm. So you know there's there's brown sculptures around that are two thousand twenty five hundred years years mm-hmm. old. Mm-hmm. Um, uh there aren't that many sculptures that are the only other option is is maybe working in stone Mm. and there really aren't very many sculptors working in stone anymore uh primarily because it's just uh, prohibitively expensive Mm. um so it just makes sense to to work with bronze it's a material that i've um i i continue to learn more and more about and i'm more and more comfortable with um and and i think it, it it uh sort of uh, flatters the environment that it's in and sort of fits. uh, It's at home in in a city, in a contemporary city. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you guys, I mean, you've obviously probably either driven past or walked past the sculpture now and, you know, the video, your documentary is going to be out, it's being shown. Any thoughts or feelings as you you look at that and and you see that final product standing there, knowing it's going to be there for a while, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. I mean...
2: I guess the the thought that I have most of the time is um, uh, that I'm I'm very happy that we found the public place for it that we did that the story is out there in the open you know right right on Fulton there's there's so many cars that pass it every day um, and know that you know w- one of the you know founders or sort of like uh, you know cornerstones of our space program was a Grand Rapids native. That's that's fantastic to me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so so I, I feel proud to have been a part of the telling of that story.
3: Yeah,
1: we take friends there and show them, you know. Just had some friends from Australia in town and uh, showed them the sculpture and forced them to watch the documentary. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no. I, I can't imagine forced anybody. It was uh-huh. very, very well done.
1: Uh, so. It, so there's, yeah, I mean... Uh, I didn't actually do anything to make the statue but yet I feel this uh bond with it, you know, I'm proud of it, mm-hmm. proud to know this guy that made it, you mm-hmm. know, and have been a part filming the entire process, you know. Um it was educational for me and I think people also learned uh how it goes together, what happens and there's just certain key parts of the sculpture making process you know like you know the beating off of the forms with the wooden mallet and the chisel and peeling that thing back that's just it fit really well with you know what was happening you know it was like pieces of Roger were starting to pull apart kind of thing you know when it when the crisis began and uh I don't know. Yeah, I I see it, and I think it's perfectly placed. Like Mm -hmm. Brett said, some of the footage that we didn't use was exploration of other areas in town where where we could have, you know, perhaps placed it. Um, But I think that's good. It's the the Civil War monument is just kind of on the same block, and right across Sheldon on Fulton is the newly redone Veterans Park. Mm -hmm. You know, so it seems like a good spot. You know, for a uh, NASA astronaut and uh, Navy pilot and veteran to reside.
0: I, I, I actually, and I'll be honest, when I, when I found out that it was going to be located there, I mean, my initial thought was, oh, it's right by the Children's Museum. What a what a perfect place to let every kid know that they can achieve their dream. Mm-hmm. Because no matter what you can say, he did achieve his dream. That's what he wanted. He he failed the mm-hmm. exam, but he eventually did it. And mm-hmm. I think that's that was kind of like, to me, that just seemed very poetic, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Very, very moving and very touching. So, beautiful job. I was going to ask you guys real quick, what about the Michigan Military...
1: Preservation Society?
0: Society? Wow, yeah. <laughs> um, are they still active? Have they kind of... Was this their last yes. swan song and they've <laughs> since moved on?
1: They uh, actually have uh, disbanded. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've dissolved legally the... Uh, mm the group so um this was yeah kind of their swan song right just uh, mm-hmm. a statue in a film not a bad way to go out
0: no i, I have to agree <laughs> it's a an incredible uh, legacy to leave behind yeah. and uh, we can only thank them for what they did do That's kind of very kindly so and also with that i guess i'm going to thank my guests here today uh sculptor brett grill and filmmaker daniel joel deal uh, for being with us at Locally Entertaining. I'm your host, Joanne Billy borsma and I encourage you, if you get a chance, head on over to that Children's Museum and take a look at that fabulous statue. Thanks, and have a great day.